0: From WBOI Studios in Fort Wayne, this is the I an Immigrant, and I am Ahmed Abdelmajid. I am a Palestinian immigrant who has been donning the title of immigrant for the past 24 years of my life. I am interested in conversations around the immigrant experience, a conversation that we seem to be not having, or we seem to be not knowing how to have. For this podcast series, I'm hoping that we have conversations with different immigrants about all that it entails to be an immigrant. Hi, everyone. This is Ahmed Abdelmajid. I'm the host and creator of the I Am Immigrant,
1: and I'm Katie Anderson, and I help produce the I Am Immigrant. In each episode, Ahmed and I like to talk a little bit about what's coming up this episode. And today, we are featuring the story of Oleg. And uh, he has a really fun story, and I really enjoyed getting to sit in on this interview.
0: Uh, Yes, uh, Oleg or Oleg, uh, you know, he's he's a young man from the Ukraine uh, who came here with dreams of playing basketball, uh, a dream that... um, Sounded uh, so much out of reach for him when he was living in the Ukraine. Uh, but then coming here and, and playing uh, collegiate level basketball and uh, came into an injury and then other stuff. And and what stuck to me with Oleg is his uh, perseverance, his ability to uh, reinvent himself with new challenges and find a way to uh, find the positive in a lot of things, whether personal interactions or uh, professional challenges as he was trying to develop his career.
1: He was also very tall.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that, he that he was that or that he is. I, I think he said he shrunk about two inches since he stopped playing basketball, but still at six foot six or something. I said. I think he said.
1: Let's take a listen to Ahmed's interview with Oleg.
0: Oleg or. Aleg, I should say. Yes. Um, welcome to uh, our show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we appreciate you being here. We like to start our podcast with a quick question on when I reached out to you to record this, you had the opportunity or the option to say no, mm-hmm. but you said yes, and you're here with us. So we're interested in why did you agree to be on our show?
2: First of all, when you mentioned Reinhardt,
0: uh-huh Melissa <laughs> uh, Melissa,
2: and I know her dad. It's triggered something I, I usually I get quite a bit of different invites and i, I simply don't have time. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's being busy. it's you know good, but same bad. I understand. And Reinhardt, her dad, I used to sit down with him and talk. He's a very knowledgeable man. He read a lot of books and I met him at Caliente okay and Caliente is run by Gustavo and Yali and we're hoping uh,
0: to have Gus on our show uh, and as well
2: <laughs> yes and he has a fantastic story uh, I've been friends with Gus and Yali for a long time and when they had this uh, Caliente uh, kind of like hole in the wall but delicious food authentic Cuban restaurant on State Street and I I always come there to just get some cordadito. um <laughs> They're just so good, and and he was there all the time. He Melissa's was dad, yeah. Melissa's and, dad, and
0: yeah. for for our listeners. Uh, Melissa Reinhardt um, is a friend of both of ours. She's a a very good friend of of mine. I've met her when I first moved to Fort Wayne about eight years ago. She's an anthropologist with uh, a lot of work with uh, the Miami natives in our area. I've hosted her in my classroom on multiple occasions and fantastic person all around. I haven't had the chance of meeting her father, but she's made sure she said you have to talk to Alec. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I didn't realize that you met her father because I haven't met him either. And, but you're not Cuban. No, so not at all. I'm Ukrainian. You're Ukrainian. Awesome. So that's the, the question that we typically get asked as immigrants is, where are you from? So can you tell us a little bit about where you're from and your story of migration to the United States?
2: Sure. That question has been asked plenty when I first got here. And when you said, like, you know, where you're from, I used to say I'm Russian. I used to Mm. say, like, I'm from Russia. And the reason for that is just simple fact of people had no idea where Ukraine is.
0: And when was that that you moved to the U.S.?
2: Uh, Gosh, it was 2008, 2007, 2008. So it was way before all the politics of Ukraine. right now
0: right i'm now now. ukrainian they're like <laughs> it's like oh. oh and they're like w- wh-
2: why are you here and i'm like well i'm here to make america great again <laughs> oh. <laughs> so <laughs> uh only if i have seen like any kind of skepticism in the tone or that question from the gentleman yeah. or lady whoever asked me that question so uh, then I'm usually just saying like, yeah, I'm here to make America great again.
0: So interesting. You said y- you you would go with Russian because it's easier. And- it was hard to
2: explain because okay. people would be saying, uh, okay, so Ukraine, is it like somewhere? I'm like, um, you know where Russia is? They're like, yeah, it's like right there, like yep. a neighbor. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. And you know, after a while, I got so many questions. It was like, Oh, you're so tall, and then you know, or how tall are you? <laughs> and then next question is like, oh, you have an accent. Where are you Where from? I'm from <laughs> in Ukraine, and and you know, I'm like, if I get just a little bit like a penny for every question that I ask, I would be like, oh, retired, done.
0: But for you, you're fair skinned. You're you know, you look like any white American walking mm-hmm. the streets. So it's when you start speaking and when yeah. the accent comes out that people are interested in knowing. The where you're from part does it get old, tiring, or is it something that you always enjoy having the conversation on where you're from and and educating people about Ukraine?
2: Realistically, it's the best conversation starter mm-hmm. because people here and and I'll I'll answer your first question yeah. before, but people here in Indiana and in Kansas, where I originally started this journey, American journey people were interested they're like oh my gosh you're like from different country tell me more we want mm-hmm. to know more because we all we know is you know our you know John Smith over here and mm-hmm. you know uh, George over here on the side small we don't town. know yeah small yep. town and we want to know more and they never travel so they always everybody's trying to be I guess not trying to be but they just had no other option they were just like in their own bubble mm-hmm. they Like, oh, I travel to Ohio, you know, (laughs) I'm like, well, that's not really traveling, but Hey, (laughs) they're always interested. And I would say it's a great conversation starter, but if you do have to, um, if you have this, your own schedule now, you kind of got into this, I wouldn't say Americanized kind of stream, but you're getting to the point that you're like, just trying to make it like short. Because there's times that they, people stop you like, I, I hey. I got to get going. Yeah, I'm, you know? I'm sorry, but yeah, I'm, I'm rushing. Like, see, you, you know? yeah. <laughs> I don't want to like, you know, be rude or anything, but I just got to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you are somewhere, like, you know, like, you know, on the shows or whatever, on the networking events, it's great to have an accent. Mm-hmm. People are saying like, oh, dude, don't lose your accent. That's like your, you know, your spark. That's like it's who you are. But for me, it was otherwise when I first got to have an opportunity to work, because uh-huh. I had a hard time. In, Be, in people, what way? people were like, uh, "What did you said?" I'm like, write me, "Write me, write me a le- letter." Oh, okay. So I used to say, "Write me a letter," and it's like you know, like the leather and letter. Okay. And I was like, I literally say like, "Write me a letter," or leather. Uh huh. And they're like, "What?" I'm like, "Well, you know, I'm talking about writing. Come what? on, like." <laughs> I know I'm messing up that word, but I mean, common sense, Mm -hmm. but um, essentially I had to practice. So so
0: was it your thick accent at the time, or was it that you didn't speak the language? didn't speak English very well.
2: I did not speak English very well. And so my story started, I started, uh, I was born and raised in Ukraine and I grew up poor as I guess pretty much all of us did, majority of us. And... I had an opportunity to start playing basketball mm-hmm. because I was just freakishly tall. I've been like, you know, bullied for that. because And I'm you like are super, how, how tall? I'm 6'8". Six, 6'8". Eight. Six, eight. Yep. I think I'm 6'7 now. I think the wear and tear, you know, like all the <laughs> life wear and tear go beat you down to the ground now. But I was, uh, I always, my, my parents were like, okay, we're going to buy you a shoe size, like a little bit bigger size than you currently To grow into them. Yeah, to grow into (laughs) them. So you can imagine I'm like this skinny, goofy-looking dude walking around with this shoe size that is just ridiculous. Afterwards, I decided, okay, I just have to embrace that I'm tall, I'm, you know, awkward, I'm just not going to be paying attention to none of them, like the bullies, and I started playing sports, slowly but steady, getting a little bit stronger. Girls from the higher-grade classes started liking me more, so then the bullies started to try to be friends with me. (laughs) since that time so and just simply because of that confidence boost and then when I started playing basketball I was pretty decent we won some championships uh, when I was in school of actual Ukraine so we won championships so
0: that's high school yeah Mm -hmm. so in high high school school, level championships so it was pretty
2: pretty good uh, experience pretty good years for me and then I always wanted to I knew that I really wanted to get to United States just due to, like, I wanted to play college. I wanted to possibly play basketball in NBA. I always, you know, strive for better. Mm-hmm. And after I hit uh, more of a, like, age of, I would say, like, teenager years that you really cannot travel without either a parent or somebody
0: mm-hmm.
2: who's older, your um,
0: guardian, guardian or,
2: or so, Yeah. yeah. Uh, unless they sign a paperwork that they allow you to go ahead and travel. To. Yeah, I was already pretty bigger fella, so I'm mm-hmm. like, I just need to travel. I need to see the world. Maybe you know some foreign exchange student programs. So I did had opportunity to go travel and live a little bit with the host families in different countries. I was in suburbs of Paris for a little bit, and then uh, I lived like a couple of months, almost like a half a year or something in Milan, Italy. And I survived there on the kind of like broken English.-. Uh-huh. And it was it was hard. It was scary at first, but it was very exciting. I saw the world, I saw the mentality of other you know nations. And my next step I was like, oh my gosh, I really would love to play basketball and I would love to be playing in the United States because that was the dream for all the kids in like you know Ukraine or Russia or Eastern Europe for sure. They love to be a part of that. Uh, NCAA Marsh Madness and all that stuff so mm-hmm. and then I got start being recruited by different colleges. I got these letters emails and uh, one college in Kansas was super excited about me They're like just re-, re handwritten like no emails like you know now it's just like all right we have this bunch of lists of recruited recruiting players. we're gonna send them the generic message like hey you we like your how how you play would <clears throat> you play for us? But they would written a handwritten like note for me and letter and everything. I received it. I'm like, man, these guys are really want me to play for them. That was super awesome. And then when I actually had a chance to talk to coach, he's like, oh, you're you're a white guy who can jump, and I had no clue what it meant. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what is he saying? The,
0: the coach from Kansas, or yeah, from okay. Kansas.
2: So he's like, you're a white guy who can jump and can shoot, and you tell him like, okay, cool, I would love to play. You know, finally I made the decision. Now I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to do something with my English because it was just I was like mm. a dog. I would like, I would understand you, yeah, but I wouldn't want to say nothing because I would be afraid to mess something up. So, so you didn't
0: study. So in Ukraine, in public school systems, you don't get English as a second language. It education was or anything? it
2: was a class, but it was class of a teacher who is barely speaking oh, in english so so <laughs> it was like we opened the books and it'd be like hey repeat after me cat rat bat and you know okay. just like simple things like cow kind of st- yeah. yeah yeah so it was everything was very very plain nothing mm-hmm. too serious and the amount of that it was not as interesting as to like let's say play sports at that time okay and mm-hmm. for me I truly believe it's really about the teacher. If you have a teacher that is very interesting, Uh is very uh, excited to show some, you know, some extras, some like, you know, really cool things. Like, we had an amazing history teacher. She brought in some artifacts from like Egypt. Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, wow, that's so cool. And you get hooked in the topic and you're excited. It's not like, and we had some teachers like, all right, kids, you have books. Open the books on page this and read it, and we're just gonna discuss a little bit, and you're gonna go home because I'm tired of you. You know, there's no like passion to teach. So, and so that there
0: wasn't much of that with the English right, class that you had. Right. had. Okay. And
2: um, okay. essentially, I, I figured, okay, I need to do something about it. And what I did at that time, it was that transition between the VHS tapes uh-huh. and to DVDs. And to me, it was like, okay. I need to figure something out because I cannot afford tutor. There's,
1: mm-hmm. there's no
2: way it's super expensive there. Um, and what I did, I started thinking, okay, so every, you know, Hollywood picture, every movie that has been, which is the good movies yeah. came Except out. Titles. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> they've been exported to different countries and they had to be like, you know, translated to our language or mm-hmm. Russian language, for example. and, you don't have no other choice with the VHS tapes. You're just watching the, you know, like the American actors open their mouth and then the yeah. Russian words. So is it, is
0: it dubbed over. or is it subtitled? Dubbed. Dubbed. Okay. And so then so I had subtitles, so that helped me with right. You know? And there was
2: some <laughs> options. I went to the like black market to find those kind of like you know interesting to get the access to them. So then when DVD came out, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I can just get like the cheapest DVD player, and with some kind of like remote control with a couple of buttons. And there is an option to watch an original version. Yeah, yeah. With subtitles. Yeah. That was, like, amazing. Oh, my gosh. You know, I got, like, all my favorite movies. I put it in, just, like, start watching them and start had like, a little, like, notepad just writing down. Okay, the word pause, like, wipe, 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 find a, dic- in a dictionary of what that word meant. And just kind of, like, learn some of the, you know, basics. I had more American kind of, like, conversational. And it still had a terrible accent. Uh, heavy one and then but i knew oh it was not like the this you know the proper english like the british lot yeah, you know yeah it was like straight up i went to this american kind of
0: english you didn't call them trousers and biscuits right or... right
2: <laughs> so and i finally you know put put myself together and i'm like okay i'm leaving and got to united states got to kansas Super excited because I mean, there's so many options. There's so. So many the university
0: things. wouldn't give you English as a second language classes there, or there we, was, there but, was, but you still needed to get better to be in. The, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I've,
2: I've been uh, pretty much thrown into the classes just by saying like, "Hey, this is a basketball player. He's a foreigner, and his English is not the greatest. So please, you know, talk to him like you know, teach him how to <laughs> right talk to him." Oh, yeah. And I always <laughs> just say like, "They're talking to me like I'm." you know, something some mentally disabled or something. They're like, Oleg, do, do you, you understand, understand me? <laughs> and I'm like, Kevin, you're like, yeah. Like, why would you even like talk to me that slow? I'm like, come on. Yeah. And my host family there, they were just fantastic because there was no room uh, in dorms for me. And coach, I guess, wanted me that bad. He went to some of the friends' family and he's like, hey, I know you guys had some foreign exchange students, in the past mm-hmm. would you please accept this kid I know you have already one and Edgar he's from I think Latvia he was a soccer player mm-hmm. and we got this Ukrainian guy he's like you know he's a white man who can jump <laughs> <laughs> and and they're like sure we have one other room that needs to be cleaned up because it just it's, an, it's a mess mm-hmm. but uh, hopefully he's fine with no windows and you know kind of basement style closet pretty much <laughs> But uh, they were just fantastic there. Just growing up in Ukraine in European environment, I always was aware. My awareness of my surrounding area of people who I talked to, who I dealt with, is um, I was not, I wouldn't say like, I was more suspicious about everybody. Mm. Just the simple fact that there's no such thing as like, you know, either, here you have a southern hospitality. I see. There... Legitly open your hearts to you And say like Hey you know We love you You know Come into our home Here's our fridge You can eat some food To me it was like So weird Because I got used to If somebody, somebody nice to you For mm-hmm. example and Where I you know, grew up from You You're gonna get Either stabbed or no. robbed Or something's <laughs> gonna happen mm. So to me I was like What These, these people are like Super nice I mean something's not I hope they're not like <laughs> Killers <or something. laughs> And And Honestly, I was, I was surprised, and, and they're they're just fantastic people in Kansas, mm-hmm. in a small town of Concordia, Kansas, and they were just uh, this lady. I said to her, I was like, why are you uh, – could you please tell me, like, why are you so nice to me? And I just straight up asked her. I'm like, I know you just told me, like, hey. And the, the crazy part is I was supposed to pay rent, and they said, like, listen, you're not going to pay rent. Mm-hmm. The only thing that we want you to do is – please keep your room clean <laughs> and just you know sometimes i would ask you to like you know take the dog out or whatever just simple things
0: okay I'm
2: like Psh, fantastic yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> deal and that's when i was like something's not right like why are you guys so nice to me and she said well i always think it this way if i would send my daughters she had uh, daughters two daughters and then she said if i would send my daughters to other country i would want that same treatment Mm. for my kids from whoever that family is that's awesome i'm like oh my gosh yeah, <laughs> you guys are amazing <laughs> give me a hug <laughs> and uh yeah so i got super i think lucky uh to be a part of that family um, i had had a fantastic basement all to myself with edgar and i loved it it was it was it was a blast and i learned a lot even though uh kevin who's a husband of mm. debbie and Kevin was always talk to me like I'm a I'm slow. Like, <laughs> it's like, oh leg, can you take the trash out? <laughs> like, yes, Kevin. And just Debbie was like, wow, Kevin really. It's already been second year, and you know he's talking normally. I guess, yeah. But um, but yeah, it was it was fantastic, and that's the uh, first year. And I had a agreement with that coach that I actually after my freshman year I would go visit home. For at least a month, mm-hmm. and they actually was generous enough to help me out with tickets and everything. Wow! And I went to saw my family, told them all about America, how awesome it is. They like have chocolates with raisins, with salt, <laughs> with bacon bits, with and uh, <laughs> just like European so many things.
0: European chocolate, though. I mean, when we talk Good. European chocolate yes. versus,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah, but the, the, the options. Oh, okay. The chocolate I quality see. is top-notch european chocolate oh my gosh I, it's amazing yeah, I mean, Cadbury alone, there's some I stuff organic <laughs> like the cucumbers the tomatoes everything and that's one of the things that i noticed when like when you cut up a cucumber and tomato on a sandwich like my my parents would like make a breakfast we do uh we call it kanapki mm-hmm. kanapki we do like a f- open fa- uh, face uh sandwiches with some tea in the morning mm-hmm. or some coffee you can sense that aroma of cucumber and tomato when you get like when When you you slice into it yeah here unfortunately until you are actually chewing on it (laughs) (laughs) then you're like oh that's cucumber and tomato (laughs) sandwich so that's another thing that i shared with my family is like well there's so many options but they're like lower quality Uh but the options like crazy, like insane like you can choose whatever you can like you can even find pants on like my size you know and that kind of stuff and <laughs> and at that time it was really difficult for just to to over there yeah um uh, but yeah and i got to kansas and then uh after two years of junior college uh, i got recruited to second biggest city in indiana
0: all right yes <laughs> Wayne, that's what we were having
2: ipfw huh? yeah and then ipfw that time uh, now it's uh pfw, P-F-W Yeah the coach was like hey come on down here the second biggest city in indiana you would love it here and they're like uh they're saying like oh there's so many of your kind man there's so many europeans here and i'm like cool i'm like awesome let, let me go check it out bosnians bosnians <laughs> burmese the <not in> languages <laughs> I speak i'm like yeah. oh, wow <laughs> i got tricked <laughs> so but they're european right so right nice. <laughs> and uh when i got here yeah i i really liked it that there's because I grew up in Kiev and Kiev is like full of traffic jams is this huge city mm-hmm. and uh, it's very comparable to like, let's say Houston or Chicago style. Oh, okay. So it's like very heavy traffic Impact. and it's like to get from one point to another one is like hours. Mm-hmm. And in the morning, if you go to, let's say you drive out to work, for example, at 7 a.m., you're good seven oh three or 5 five yeah. you're, done. you're done you're standing <laughs> for hours in traffic jam.
0: so fort wayne was a breath of fresh Fantastic. air it's nice and yeah
2: and know, it's quiet not too big not too little it was like it's a town wannabe city mm-hmm. and that is good
0: so you came to purdue fort wayne played basketball mm-hmm. graduated from fort wayne yes and you're still here yeah. What kept you, in Fort Wayne in particular, in, but in the United States, why didn't you go back to uh, Ukraine? You know, what mm-hmm. What kept you interested in staying in the United States?
2: Yeah. So when I was getting to the point that I would graduate and I would not have no eligibility for scholarship, uh-huh. I was going for organizational leadership and supervision. Okay. And at the end, I'm like, okay, I need to cut it down and just get to the point, graduate. Mm-hmm. And I'm a true believer of it's not about, if you're not going for a specialized degree, if you're kind of like lost and don't know what's going on, but you have that ag- ag- going personality, you have some skills of like selling, it's not about who you know. It's not about what you know. It's about who you know and how you can sell yourself. So I graduated with a degree of general studies okay, and minor in OLS and i wanted to have that opt program and the reason why i decided to go with the opt program opt program it's optional uh it's optional practical training so it's like allows the international students to graduate and have an um a A opt card a year of working uh outside of obviously campus because as an international student you have only the right to work on campus yeah
0: officially yeah a lot of people don't know that that's why Mm -hmm. you know so when you're a student on a student visa you're only allowed to work in campus jobs Mm -hmm. but then there is that opt or optional practical training issued for a year from graduation to Mm kind of give you some some to put on the resume some practical experience to put on the resume okay so you did that for a year
2: yeah so i did that for a year and the reason why i went for that opt i was thinking about going and playing uh, basketball continue to play basketball, but I got a chronic injury for shoulders. So I would mm. this is what I would do. We would play games and I would get um, I would get in the pain and since I'm a white guy who can jump, <laughs> I would go up with the ball. I was use all my force to go up with the ball, mm-hmm. and then the defensive player oh. would smack the ball well, down. Heck a shack. So yeah, so it was like just going <laughs> opposite direction. So uh-huh. my shoulders would pop out of the socket. Oh, yeah. And then it, it was sharp pain. Then I'm like going on the bench. And then coach is like, hey, suck it up. Team needs you. Let's go. Okay. I'm like, all right. Well, I'm, I'm a man. I'm going to suck it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I'm like, I, and it hurts cra- like crazy. But hey, I'm going to suck it up. So I did it again and again. Didn't heal it fully and again and again. Uh, with that influence of like, oh, stop whining. Just like it's like a little boo-boo. Go out there and play. Mm. I got to the point that it's just every screen that I would set and it would hit, like, wrong, my shoulder would pop out of the socket. Ugh. And it's not only one, it's two. Oh. So that that was to the point that I actually I was like, okay, I'm going to just maybe take a little break, go, like, play beach volleyball or something, and just see maybe, you know, it will heal itself. Nothing. Like, I would play volleyball or, like, hit the ball just by hitting the ball over the net. It would pop out. Mm. And I'm just, like, in this severe pain. Um, at that time, our medicine... Our medical, you know, uh, opportunity to heal that trauma or that that injury, injury uh-huh. was nothing. Now everybody's like, oh, psh. right now I'm, and I talk to a lot of different like uh, athletes and uh, sports doctors. I'm dealing with a bunch of uh, you know the uh, physical doctors like that mm-hmm. do surgeries and everything. And I would sell cars to them before, and, and they're like, psh. now we have the opportunity. We just like make a little incision. Cut, yeah. cut it's an easy, easier Done. surgery. <laughs> I'm like, well, thank you. <laughs> so that but
0: took away the potential of playing. So that train left. That train left. Yeah,
2: and I, I just said, okay, there's no option. It's either a, I will try to get a job, get that you know, get a OPT, uh-huh. a chance, try out in the workforce here, and you know, get some experience and uh, see how it li- how it's like here or I'm gonna go and try out, try to heal and just take a chance and try to maybe play basketball in Europe, which there was a huge risk that I will get not healed fully and nobody's gonna give, offer me a contract. Mm. They're gonna say, you know, nobody's yeah, gonna yeah. get you on the team if you're injured, no matter how high you jump. Yeah. <laughs> so I made a decision and, and at that time I was actually dating a girl Mm-hmm. So I said, like, you listen, this is what's happening. i probably gonna going to be going do an OPT. After OPT is done, I'll have to just move back home. Mm-hmm. And essentially, and our, our things are going really well. So we actually, afterwards, we were like, you know, hey. She's like, I don't want you to leave. Is there any way? I'm like, well, there is. But, I mean, I'm like, you know what? And in my mind, I'm like, I just, why don't I just, like, propose to her? you know, mm-hmm. and get married. That is a way out as far as like for to stay, here. to stay here. There's an option. And then we were dating. Everything was great. So there's no point for me to wait, go home, do all this mess with paperwork because that's what I've heard mm-hmm. like a lot of horror stories with them. Like you go there, then go back. It's just a mess. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm just going to propose because we already been like dating when I was in college. So like, what's the point? So I ask her to marry me and then when we got married I was actually I don't know if I'm like a procrastinator on that part but I was actually almost to the point that is get my grace period after the OPT is done Uh but when I started OPT the biggest issue I had was to get a job
0: so because it doesn't guarantee you a job it just gives you the time to be able to find one and stay here yeah
2: Uh and the resume what you're going to put on resume like I sat down with some of my advisors they're like well you can say you're you we b- play a basketball. It's like you know, team, team sport, and everything. You're a team player. I'm like that's it. They're like, well, I speak other languages. I mean, that's good. You know, mm-hmm. Russian, Ukrainian, cool. But still, I have a heavy accent too. I mean, it's better, but still, it was not good enough. Uh, and that's how I felt when I actually start going in interviews. I go in this place, this place, and they would not. Uh, like They cannot tell you that, hey, you know what? I'm sorry we cannot offer you this job because I think our clients will not understand So
0: what, what kind of jobs were they? Can you I think? went
2: to, uh, gosh, I went yeah. to like this marketing firms. I went to, uh, then so I'm like, okay, I'm client trying to sell. So you're yeah. going to be talking to people. Mm-hmm. and So entry-level stuff.
0: And you feel that the accent that you had or still have put you at a disadvantage because people might not they understand you or might not be interested in speaking to a Russian
2: <laughs> not only that but also they they're not well like whoever interview you they cannot they cannot tell you like I'm sorry but you're not cut into the job because of this-huh they just say I'm sorry but you know we went with the other candidate or whatever but during my times here I'm I was a big partier. so I would like go out with friends and most of my friends were not my teammates mm-hmm on, on my basketball team. I have no idea, but I, I guess I'm just going to say it. I have like a, a bunch of like a lot of people that are uh, all of them rednecks from mm-hmm. Monty, Indiana or something. They're like just very, their humor, their ways of doing things, their ways of joking was just so off to what I felt that was funny. Okay. I, I guess like it was just completely not funny to me. It was just like super childish. And I'm not saying that they were like, you know, kids or something, but I'm just saying that I was not about to pretend to somebody else that I'm not, I'm not. It's like, Mm -hmm. that's what kind of like coaches were like, well, that's why I got into like bad side of coaches as well. Cause you're not hanging out with the team. I'm not hanging out with the team. I'm not building chemistry. I'm not. And I'm like, well, I tried hanging out with them. It's just, it's awkward. we play we we go on the court we play we're doing our part like i'm i would be the best teammate you can possibly be able help you out if you fall down but after we go outside of court i do not see them as being my friends or Mm -hmm. as being somebody that i can hang out with and joke around and do stuff and the other half we have like you know obviously we have african american guys and girls you know that have their own style of talking style of having a good time. So I thank God I had a opportunity to met some of the previous international players Mm -hmm. that was on IPFW team. And they just put me under their wing at that time. They knew a lot of like business owners, nightclub owners. So they, they knew a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. So their mentality was to make Influential friends, they had like connections and everything. So, and that's when I actually start using those. After I was like, I went to here, Leveraging here, there. Contact. I'm like, hey, can I, can I, you know, can I work for you? And they're like, oh, sorry, you're like, you cannot see leather. <clears throat> can I hire you? You know, <laughs> and I'm like, oh. but because of that, I I got a no from Enterprise Rental Car, whatever. Okay. Rental that, that, car. That's one yeah. that I went to. And one of them I overheard, they're like, oh, dude, I don't know if he's going to be cutting out for this. Like, he's, he has a heavy accent. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, we, we need to make sure the guests are understanding him really clearly. And da, da, da. I'm like, oh, whatever. So I'm like, you know what? I was like, I'm just do a little bit different r- route. I decided to just go ahead and go to, uh, I think it was Office Depot or something. I went to the library, print out, created a business cards, saying motivational, inspirational speaker. Put my name, put my phone number, my email, and I start going to businesses. Just go door to door, and saying like, "Hey, I will do a motivational speech to your to boost your morale at your place of employment uh, by just doing a compare contrast speech of what lifestyle is in Ukraine, for example, in Europe, and what lifestyle is here, and you have nothing to complain about about, and just you know, embrace and appreciate what you have." And you can do a lot with what you have right now. Mm-hmm. And a couple of speeches were just disaster. <laughs> oh, my gosh. People are like, You what? have to get what? those out of the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was like a fail, fail. But then I felt comfortable. I felt great. And the reason also why I did it is just because I was like, I have to find a, a solution. I have to find a problem and I have to solve it to maybe, you know, do some kind of freelance work or some kind of like on my own. Mm. So I started like looking up fears and I'm like, oh, public speaking is a fear. I'm like, hmm, maybe I can just do public speaking. It's like number one fear. Like people like fear that more than death. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. I have a wife who would say that, yeah, she would fear
0: <laughs> public speaking right. more than scorpions even. Right.
2: <laughs> so, and afterwards I, I've learned that and I had no idea about it. Afterwards I learned, it, I'm like, well, I have advantage. I don't really care. I can totally do it. So I, I know it's just it's just a couple of tries that I will mess up, I know for sure. Mm-hmm. But then it will it will get better. It's like practicing anything you do. First it's harder, but mm-hmm. then after repetition you do it, do it more. You're becoming an expert, essentially. And after a couple of other speeches I got an opportunity to go speak to them, to speak to them and I'm like at the end I just stuck a thing like, Hey, just so you know, I'm actually looking for, you know, a stable income. I'm looking for a job. Mm -hmm. I have a set of skills that might help you. So if you are interested, it's my number on the card. So I not only can do speeches, but I can actually work for you.
0: I I just find it ironic and extremely funny that one of the main reasons why you couldn't get a job is that people were worried about the way you speak, Mm -hmm. and you flipped it on its head, then you became a public speaker. (laughs) I find that uh, kudos to you.
2: One thing that I start uh, after those... Bad speeches that I did, first ones, I was like, okay, I need to practice. I need to make sure I will not make that mistake again of, say, pronouncing that word. So I started recording myself.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, my gosh. When you see yourself in the recording and your voice, I'm like, <laughs> I was like oh, my goodness. I'm terrible. <laughs> I have to, like, change that that business card to something else
0: <laughs> and another way is like mine have kids that will
2: pick up on your accent <laughs> right. and will tell you you're saying it wrong <laughs> it's yeah it's it's rough and uh and then i like record myself and i start practicing 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 And i'm like okay i'm ready for another set of speeches so i went you know door-to-door business to business and started doing that and then i got job offers like i got say hey uh we're starting this company, this marketing company. Would you be an account executive for that company? I'm like, cool, awesome. I start getting into this marketing thing, and this is all within like a couple of months. I I was like, I need to just like hammer yeah, it out right, and just yeah. get a get a job because my time is ticking. Mm-hmm. All throughout half of that year, I knew that okay, I'm I'm gonna propose everything's gonna be fine. So now I have to like take off that monkey off my shoulder mm-hmm. and just concentrate to find my craft. And just find what I want to do. I still had no idea what I'm gonna be good at or what I'm gonna do mm-hmm. for my, you know, for to make money. And you know, I was still kind of in that weird stage. And and then I started just concentrating on the work. I started going to business to business. We were doing marketing. We found a problem. Like, okay, when you do give your business card to somebody, majority of the time if they're not so, like. There's someone is showing you trying to sell them something. They'll just throw it away. They're yeah. like, "Oh, thank you so much for your card. It was a nice card." And then just like <laughs> get in the car, like in the back seat. Uh, so, and how would you make it so that card will stay in the wallet all the time, and your face you is always add blinking? Value to through, it, yeah, add value to it. So we, we did. We did. We go door to door to business. We went to like Marco's Pizza. We went to Putt Putt, and we're like, "Hey, we want to bring you." more clientele, more people mm-hmm. in your business, and we want to do this agreement with you that you allowing us some kind of discount. So whoever comes in with that little logo that of our company, that you will provide that discount and you sign an agreement. But we will try to make sure that we'll force you for some like traffic to your business, for Putt-Putt, nice. for Marco's Pizza, whatever it is. What can you give us? They're like, well, I can do like 20% off of carryout. Or pizza, whatever. I'm like, perfect, awesome. So we we sign an agreement. So then we put their logo and everything from them on our website, and then I would go collect all those business offers, and I would go to now to the businesses, to the real estate agents, and like, hey, how about I'm gonna make you a card? I know you guys have their your own like you know business cards that you do from your you know from mm-hmm. your corporate, but how about I'm gonna make you a card, and I'll make sure your card stays in the wallet of your clients. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, how are you going to do that? I'm like, well, here's the website. Go mm-hmm. to our website. Nice. We, we can put your original old school front as you it's usually good. do. Yeah. But on the back, what we're going to do is we're going to put those offers that you think that your demographic clientele base mm-hmm. will want. Like, for example, you're targeting families or whoever comes in. Obviously, it's a pub pub, maybe pizza night, whatever it is. So then... You give your car. You obviously buy cars from us with those offers. You give that car to your clients, to your families, and they hold on to it because they can reuse it all throughout the year. They, interesting. Yeah. So yeah. that was it was really interesting, yeah.
0: So it seems like from really early on and to this point, you're you're motivated you're a hustler in a way but in 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 the good sense in in business you know Mm -hmm. um even from what you were saying earlier from learning the language so that you get to play the game that you love and go to the united states and get a scholarship and all that where is that motivation coming from and what's keeping you going
2: that's a very good question that's something that i tell myself all the time And uh, I tell pretty much whoever I'm in business with, I'm actually telling them what my motivation is. I said I want to make money, obviously, and it's this is not the best obviously motivation, but that's good because without, I mean, everybody can say like, oh, money doesn't matter.
0: Those well, are money. The people that have money who say that. Right,
2: <laughs> right. But at the same time, money—if you do have money. It will eliminate some of the struggle and problems that you will have without money. I said, like you know what, it's all up to you what you want to make, and everybody makes a certain amount of money, and then they get raised, they get raised, they get raised. But at the same time, that hunger grows as well. Mm-hmm. So you maybe uh, you know. I,
0: so I, is that coming from your early experiences when you said you didn't have the money and seeing that life and wanting to make better? When I grew up yourself? that
2: time in the Soviet Union times we were like obviously there was like coupons all this you know uh you have to stand in line for Mm. like a baloney for a bread it was just rations yeah it was just it was terrible like the whole experience it was just awful but at that time we didn't have no exposure to the social media or to the news or television nobody said like hey you know there's america or there's like you know some other country there's just fantastic places to live to work and they have all sorts of chocolates mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, nobody nobody said like we we knew that this is the our life and this is probably how everybody in the world live but then essentially mm. we got exposed to television my, my parents get a little bit better jobs they there were they were hustlers like they were true mm-hmm. hustlers they were like working some factory jobs like pretty much day and night to pretty much give us a future to my to myself and my sister my older sister I have an older sister 10 years older. Uh, Natalia, and they were just absolutely like barely sleeping like three three hours a uh, night. They were just like killing themselves to provide us some um, bread on the table. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just terrible. And then when I see it, I was like, okay, this is the reason why I'm going to be doing whatever I need to do to get to either basketball, either NBA, whatever it is, mm-hmm. to give them the retirement that they want. I do not wish to have uh, my parents to have like any kind of vows that. Oh man, I am gonna retire, and then our retired like money for those retired people is it's a joke. They're literally no getting twenty dollars a month.
0: Social security or pension or insane. It's, it's okay. just it's
2: hmm. it's a it's just absolutely absurd, mm-hmm. and unless you have a kid who is somewhat successful that helping out, you are okay. But if you don't have your kids that are somewhere building their business and everything and, and sending you money, when you're done with your, with your work, life mm-hmm. and you retired, you yeah you literally you get like twenty to thirty dollars a month and then your, uh, rent and utilities and all that stuff is like forty. Wow. So. So that's you, you, that's my motivation. That's your motivation. I, my motivation is always I want to make sure that I'm making money, mm-hmm. and I'm providing the lifestyle for my family, for my, my mom, dad, my sister, my nieces and nephews, because I know I, I'll make money and I'll, I know I'm going to be good, but my motivation is mainly I want to help my family.
0: You got a little emotional when you were talking about your parents and, uh, all the effort that they've put in. I mean, you can tell that they've raised a, a strong, upstanding young man. Are they still in Ukraine? Or yeah. Are they here? Mm-hmm. They're get, still in Ukraine. Do you get to see them often? <laughs>
2: Uh, this is probably going to be uh, the summer, hopefully. Mm-hmm. This is going to be the summer that I'm going to actually go first time in 11 years. Wow. So I haven't I, seen them.
0: I mean, aside from home, the place that you grew up in, you know, I asked that question because a lot of people think that, you know, as an as an immigrant, well, maybe I shouldn't say a lot of people. In, in my experience, mm. there is that when you look at an immigrant who is successful to top, uh you look at them and you're thinking, Oh, they you know, they have it good. They came here, they made something of this. and they don't realize the the struggle, the emotion that goes into it. I mm. mean is it in those eleven years, how many times did you think about I wanna go home and see my parents? Oh gosh. <laughs> Every single day?
2: <laughs> A lot. And I actually I told them, I was like I told my parents so I got my citizenship in two thousand sixteen. Uh so I got my that fancy certificate that everybody waits for mm-hmm. and goes through all the rough times. And uh, I got it and I said, okay, right, I can actually go ahead and start, start filing paperwork to, for you guys to come here. And I was just blind about the things that the fact that I'm losing to my sister, apparently. <laughs> so, so my dad and mom was like, all right, listen, I'm like, um, so we would totally do it, but... So far, your sister's winning. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? Like, what are you winning? She has three kids. You have zero. <laughs> so, I'm like, what? I, I would say that's winning. I'm like, well, you had to like tell me from the start that that's the, that's the competition. Well, they're obviously joking. But yeah. essentially, they just, you know, talk to me like, listen, we don't know the language. Uh, we have all of our friends here. It's hard. It's absolutely, I wouldn't say it's impossible, but it's difficult for we, you know to learn the language. From,
0: we did that, that with age. my parents. I mean, I'm the youngest of five, and I'm, I'll be 42 next week. So we're we're a big older. My parents are in their late 70s. About six years ago, um, I have a brother and a sister in Michigan, and so we moved them to Michigan so we can focus on them a little more. I have an older brother and an older sister. One in the Czech Republic, and one is still in Qatar, where we were all born and raised. But you know, my dad's health. And it's nothing other than he went from working every day and, you know, speaking the language and not having to worry about these things to all of a sudden it's completely foreign and they've visited many times before but mm-hmm. to live here full time and you know you're not working anymore and all that it, it just went downhill mm-hmm. and it's it's uh it's tough it's really tough especially on, on them when they're older so i can fully understand yeah. what your where your parents are coming from yeah yeah but it's can you tell us a little bit about that tug that exists within you between home where you grew up where your parents and family and here is that, you look at that, is that a motivation? Is that something that I'm going to work 20, 30 years, make a lot of money and go back? Is that I'm, I'm thankful for where I come from? Or I don't like it? There's a whole host of emotions that go into that. Mm-hmm. Where where are you on that spectrum?
2: I am, to be quite honest, I'm in now. Okay. I live in now. I don't, I obviously think about the future, but... For me, I understand that whatever happened with me in the past, that sculpted me. Mm -hmm. That gave me, like, if I wasn't bullied for being goofy and tall with big shoe size, Mm -hmm. maybe I would not snap and get that confidence, that boost, insane boost of confidence that I have to just, like, rock it out my my height, Mm -hmm. my, you know my goofiness, whatever it is, I, I, would, I would stop slouching. Maybe that wouldn't happen if I wouldn't, you know, have that. And I'm thankful for what I had there. Those bullies then essentially show me that there is some something that is called you can persuade and you can do it by, you know, maybe power, maybe something that you have that they want to have, which in that time there was those girls that was like liking me and and they were bullying on me, but they're like, Hey, we were your buddies. Remember? I'm like, yeah, remember you were like bullying me, but sure. Why not? And then that comes, those lessons come and then it's, it's up to you. You forget it or you take it, embrace it and just make something out of it, make yourself stronger, and more prepared for what's coming next. Mm -hmm. But any decisions that I make today right now, it's my decisions. I never regret it even if it's made to be the bad decision, I would never regret it. Because I I know that I will essentially, even if there's some kind of obstacles, would make out of that decision that I made, I know that was my decision, that's my story, that's my destiny. I I totally believe in it. Mm -hmm. And whatever, that to answer your question, that I respect what my parents did. I love uh, everybody in Ukraine. Everybody has their own like, Positives and negatives everywhere Absolutely. you go. Yeah, here it's not perfect, mm-hmm. but there is a lot of things that I can actually grow on. Mm-hmm. Like here, if you have a hat on your shoulders, you can be whatever you want to be, except obviously president. Yeah, uh, which I don't know if I want to fill that those shoes. <laughs> even if I had it option, uh, because yeah, that's no, they, that's they, a, that some, is some even small possible shoes to fill. Um, <laughs> but yeah, jokes aside, so yeah. you can make something out of yourself and, and here's just like just so many opportunities that I see mm-hmm. that you don't even have to have a degree to make it happen and that's been proven here more more. and then that's how it and I, I haven't traveled for a, quite a long time so mm-hmm. I don't know how it is there I only communicate via Skype with my friends with my family and they were telling me like oh there's the changes here okay. this is better you know or this is worse and then i would like talk to my friends that like live in different countries now move to different to, like you know georgia or some other ones and they're just like oh this is horrible here so it's always something about it. it's about power it's about politics there but i'm always concentrate on now and only stuff that i can control on my circle like gotcha. my family my my close friends which um uh, I mean, I wouldn't say like I have tons of friends. I do have quite a bit of um, acquaintances and, you know, mm-hmm. like in my culture what I've been raised, a true friend that would solidly would take a bullet yeah. for you. And that's like true friendship. And I do have some good friends back in Ukraine. Here, it's it's just acquaintances, I would say. Yeah, we call them friends, but are they going to the, truly The, the you definition of the
0: relationship is different than what Absolutely. You know, we grew yeah, and the and word.
2: I, That's one of the things when I first remember here, I got yeah. here, I'm like, all right, I need to move to a different apartment. Can you help me out? Yeah, I'll help you out. All of a sudden that day comes like, oh, dude, you know what? I had this thing, I, you know, <laughs> sorry, dude. I'm like, but you gave me your word, you know? Uh-huh. To me, <laughs> it was so difficult to get used to that the man, if he gives his word, it's a blood, sweat, tears, you'd make that word happen. That's why you man. That's how I've been raised. But... Uh, Here's a little bit different. This is just like wishy-washy stuff. It's different. So than what we, yeah, what, and and you I grew to, up
0: with a similar in a similar um, environment too. And it's funny. I'm, I'm going to go home in a, or go. Sorry, I'm going back to Qatar for a visit, and I, you know, WhatsApp with one of my high school friends. You know, we kept in touch that way, and I. I, I almost put the Americanized question, saying, "Hey, are there Uber or taxis at midnight that would pick us up from the airport?" Because it's midnight, you know. And I, I got, you know, basically he he ripped into me a little bit over what's happened. I'm like, dude, it's midnight. You have work the next day. I don't want to bother you. He's like, "It's not your problem. Just tell me what time and what flight number. I'll be there. I'll take care." Of yeah, you. and it, it's different than what we we have here, where if you if you do that. I, mm-hmm. My experience: If I do that for a, a friend who's born and raised here, uh, then they would hold that in a very high regard. That wow, you're going extremely out of your way to come and get mm-hmm. me, and they would value that. But it's not an expectation, I guess.
2: Uh, here, yeah. I had some situations that people felt felt uncomfortable that I went a little bit extreme on yeah. helping them out. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, dude, it's like it's, it's you don't need to yeah. do yeah. that." What do, you, what do you want from me? Right, <laughs> right, right. We're back so, <laughs> full circle. <laughs> but overall, I, you know, I. I would love to, obviously, if I'll get to the point where actually some of my goals that I just set for myself and work right now, if they work out and I would have some of those streams of passive income, then I would totally would have freedom to travel. I would totally travel. I Mm -hmm. definitely would want to come back and give something back to those communities in Ukraine as well. I would love that. I understand that. Um, And... But my main priority is I want to make sure that my parents would not have a need and nothing materialistic, like from food, you know. I respect that. I want yeah. them to have everything. I respect um, that. But yeah.
0: You mentioned Ukrainian versus Russian. How different are the two languages from each other? Do you, like, by If you speak Ukrainian, then can you understand most of Russian or are they completely different languages?
2: They're... Similar, but if I'm talking this is the funniest thing, I even have friends here that are Russian and Ukrainians and we would come together and I would say something Ukrainian. My Russian friends have no clue what I'm saying. Hmm. But what I'm saying to where well, I have Ukrainians and Russians all in one room and I say something in Russian, everybody understands it. So I guess due to maybe and I'm I just assume that due to like that Soviet Union times. Mm-hmm the Russian language was kind of like, hey, that was the main, the main language. language. So that's probably the cause of Ukrainians understand Russian mm-hmm. versus Russians. Majority of Russians have no clue what you, what you, you, you say in Ukraine. Ukrainian. Yeah.
0: I see. Wh- when it comes to identifying yourself or speaking to your identity, how do you identify yourself? Are you a Ukrainian? Are you Ukrainian-American? Are you american or does that question even cross your mind when, you know, when people ask you where you're from and you go through that? But there are obviously multiple parts to your identity. So how do you identify yourself?
2: When somebody asks me that question, it's like, "Where are you from?" I'm just telling them where I'm from. I'm from Ukraine. But there's rarely that I would actually call myself e- either or. Like I, I would. That doesn't cross my mind that much. Mm-hmm. But if somebody gets more deeper into it and majority of the time I, I would sense it is if it's a sarcasm or if it's like you know skepticism or if it's like you know what what their motives are when they're asking that question and that's when i'm actually they're switching to like hey i'm here to make a great maker great by just knowing where they stand i see by So asking t- that question
0: trying to like make a slight about ukraine yeah. and being ukrainian that Ukrainian identity part comes out more. Oh yeah, okay. I
2: and that that's when I say like you know what I came from Ukraine and I became American. Um, I got my a citizenship, and when there is some skeptical questions about it, I'm just totally start joking with them and being smart, aleck. <laughs> smart <aleck>. Alec, smart <laughs> <laughs> Alec. So, uh, but overall, it's if I'm sitting down with somebody who is genuinely interested in like some of the things some of the differences or maybe how ukraine is versus you know obviously nowadays you hear about ukraine like, like you everywhere more, yeah now and i don't have to explain where <laughs> ukraine is so i can actually say like hey i'm in ukraine and that's that's when somebody's asking me and being like i had plenty of older gentlemen who i just know they're super against immigrants and they would uh-huh. like sit down at the same table, would share a table because I do have tons of American, uh, you know, acquaintances or friends, what you Mm -hmm. call it, that would invite me to places. And I would sit down and and they were like, oh, so you you have an accent, boy. Where are you from? I'm like, "Uh, Ukraine originally, yeah. And he'd be like just asking these like questions. Like, oh, so why are you here? Let me tell you that. Let me ask you this. And I'm like, well, you know. And I would ask couple of questions from him what exactly you mean or so i'll just clarify it and then you can poke a lot of holes yeah in, and in then the, just just to find out yeah. if so i will not start rude on 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 the you know rude side for with with that whole conversation but a majority of the time when i'm when i'm saying like hey i'm here to make america great everybody start laughing and, and he just <laughs> shuts up <laughs> that's it
0: so we like to end our, our podcast with you have people out there that are listening that uh, want to know more about immigrants or immigration, or you know, want to know how do I ask questions that I'm curious about without being offensive or I don't want to offend somebody, but I, I really want to know. I mean, genuinely interested in in um, in having that conversation. Uh, you have the mic. What would you like to say to them? And what would you like to say to immigrants who are being maybe bombarded with these questions or ask these questions very often and uh, sometimes feel defensive or don't want to engage or or maybe want to but just are shying away from it?
2: The one thing that I would say to those who are curious and asking questions, please be open-minded. Please be, I guess, considerate. Mm-hmm. of that we all, no matter if you are an immigrant or you're domestic, <laughs> no matter like that, that never no matter that.
0: that <laughs> is, Local or born yeah, in uh-huh.
2: <laughs> You have, we all have our own stories, where we came from, mm-hmm. what we've been through, and every story is different, obviously. There might be some similarities, but the Over-communication is the key here because I might say leather or letter, but if we will pass that little barriers and just by saying like, hey, let me explain a little bit deeper and let's just be on the same page. Be more acceptive that Mm -hmm. somebody, uh, if somebody, let's say, comes to somebody's country, how they say it, there's a reason behind it. There's always a story behind it hear it out because Mm -hmm. you might be very shocked or surprised and you will learn so much. There's so much to learn from all of us, domestic or immigrants. Mm -hmm. So I would say give an opportunity for both sides to speak up and listen out, be a good listener and be open-minded because no, I really rarely think that there's situations when people come here just to do something bad. Like, Yeah, there's rarely a bad motive Mm -hmm. there's always people want to make it better for their kids, for their loved ones Uh, majority of those immigrants that come here they would be just trying to make it better for their youth, for their you know, wife, spouse, whatever it might be Mm -hmm. there's always a story behind it don't just shut it out and put like you know, claims on somebody or tags on somebody hey, this is he has a long beard or whatever it is Yeah. S- especially right now it's like a, it was really cool I had actually a long beard it was really <laughs> awesome it was that stage where like okay I need to get more stylish uh, <laughs> but just be open minded over communicate things hear out each other you know and there's always things to learn and benefit from each other and help each other grow as a person as like individual as a business whatever it might be
0: and you would put that advice out to immigrants themselves as well or do absolutely. you have
2: absolutely don't to get share. too offended if somebody if you know, in that case, when that story, when there's like this old, old fart came out and just start <laughs> saying some things, I could have said like, Hey, what are you trying to say? Uh-huh. Or you can always put it, twist it around, put the question on him. Like, well, what did you know about yeah. us? Like poke, just, a, hole yeah, poke a hole in their and yeah. Let's, yeah. let's talk it out. Because essentially that guy, I guess at the end of that night with, at the table, he was really cool with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure he changed some of his, you know, perspectives on on, on the immigrants themselves. But people are afraid. And that, yeah. that fear can be over, overcome by just over-communicating, talking to each other, hearing out, doing more stories like this. If we have more of those kind of shows or podcasts that people actually can hear us out and hear those stories, maybe that's going to be triggering something good. <laughs>
1: The I and Immigrant is a production of WBOI Studios in Fort Wayne and was created by Ahmed Abdelmajid. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and keep these conversations going. You can find us on Facebook or visit theeyeinimmigrant.com to see additional content and pictures of this season's guests. Today's interview was produced by me, Katie Anderson, and edited by Ben Klemmer. Thanks for listening. From WBOI, Fort Wayne.